I want to welcome you to day five of our look at Romans chapter 14. We're looking today at verses 14 to 23. We have this week, let the first verse of Romans chapter 14 give us the outline of everything we've talked about uh, from, from the end to the beginning. We've talked about disputable matters and what the Bible says about that. We've talked about judgment and not passing judgment on each other. A third thing we've talked about is those who are weak in faith. Don't pass judgment on those who are weak in faith. But now we talk about the first word in Romans chapter 14, accept. Accept him who is weak in faith, whose faith is weak, without passing judgment on disputable matters. And the question we want to look at together today is how do we accept another believer? Let me read for you Romans chapter 14, verses 14 to 23. As one who is in the Lord Jesus, I am fully convinced that no food is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for him it is unclean. If your brother is distressed because of what you eat, you're no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy your brother for whom Christ died. Do not allow what you consider to be good to be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by men. Let us therefore, he says in verse 19, make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a man to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother to fall. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the man who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But the man who has doubts is condemned if he eats, because he's eating not from faith. And everything that does not come from faith is sin. So what in these verses does it mean to accept? Well, accept means literally to welcome, to make somebody feel welcomed and and wanted. And how do we, in Christ, agree to disagree? How is the right way to handle the fact that we disagree about some things? Well, Paul outlines some things in these verses. First, he causes us to ask the question, how do I stop condemning someone? Well, I ask myself, am I someone who can judge someone else's servant? Those verses we looked at earlier. We think, if I don't force someone to act or think differently, who will? I mean, I, I've, I've got to be the Jesus. I've got to be the Holy Spirit in their life. And once you start thinking that way, you're in trouble. You trust the Lord. He has the power to change people's actions. You trust him. So don't judge someone else's servant. So what do you do? You give loving advice. You say a quiet word. You don't not say anything. The Bible says we should encourage each other to have faith. But then you trust God. That loving advice should focus on why to do what is right. Not why you're wrong, but why you should do what is right. So instead of saying to somebody, man, you really shouldn't smoke, you say, did you know our body's a temple of the Holy Spirit? And God has incredible, credible honor that he gives to even this human body, this material body he's given to us. Instead of saying to somebody, man, you shouldn't gamble, stop gambling. It's hurtful to the cause of Christ. You say instead, you know, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And if that's what you're caught up in there, that's dangerous because of what God says about this. And then you trust God with it because in the end, it's going to be their choice. It's going to be between them and Jesus. You ask yourself to stop condemning, who am I to judge another servant? And then you tell yourself, we all belong to the Lord. 
When you begin a crusade to change someone else's opinion on a disputable matter, you're trying to be the Lord in their life, and you do not want that. I don't want that. I want the Holy Spirit to be the Holy Spirit. I want Jesus to be the Lord. The word Lord is found eight times throughout these verses as Paul talks about judgment, as Paul talks about disputable matters. The word Lord is found again and again. He is the answer. Looking him together as the Lord of our lives, one to whom every knee will bow, every tongue will confess one day. That is the answer. How do I stop condemning? How do I accept another? You remind yourself of something too. You ask yourself, who am I to judge another servant? You tell yourself we all belong to the Lord. And then you remind yourself, we're all gonna stand before God's judgment seat. You do take into account the other person's conscience, but you don't try to be the other person's conscience. It's not your job. In fact, the truth of the matter is, if you try to do that in another person's life, they're gonna resist your attempt to do that, and it's gonna hurt their faith in the end instead of help their faith. Acceptance means you treat people with respect even when you know they're wrong. You love them with respect. You're kind to them. You're gentle, even when you know that they are wrong. Not only does that fulfill what these verses talk about, but it also gives the best opportunity for change in that person's life. Now, as we talk about accepting another person, it's very clear in these verses we just read that one of the ways I accept another is by saying no to certain things in my life. So where do I find the power to do that? Where do I find the power to say no to something I know is right for another person's sake? And we touched on this question earlier this week. Will I let a weaker person control my life? Why should they have the right to control what I do or don't do? Well, if you're a parent, you already do this. We do this with our children all the time. There are certain things that you will not do in their presence. There are certain things that you limit yourself in doing so that you won't hurt them because you don't want to hurt them. You don't want to hurt their faith. You don't want to hurt their life. These verses are not a support for legalism, once again. They are a, they are a support for love. I would picture this like crossing a swinging rope bridge over a mountain stream. There are people who can run across a bridge like that, even though maybe it doesn't have any handrails. They're not alarmed by it. They can keep their balance well. Maybe they've crossed it before. They're not concerned about the swaying of the bridge, or they're not concerned about falling into the river that's below. That's fine. Some people can do that, but others can't. You watch them get on a bridge like that, and they're extremely uncertain. They shake, they tremble, they inch along. They may even get down on their hands and knees to crawl across the bridge. But they'll make it across if you just give them time, if you let them go at their own speed. After a few crossings, they're gonna to begin to pick up courage and eventually they might be able to run across. What is wrong is for you to force people to go at your pace, to say, oh, come on, have the courage, let's run across this bridge. They may fall because they're just not certain yet. You have the freedom to encourage them to run at your pace, and you might think that they can do it, but you have to also listen to their heart, their conscience when it comes to these ways of actions. And as we look at Romans 14, these last verses, Paul gives us three motivations for saying no to some things in our life. He says in verse 14, say no because of their purity. For them, he says, it is unclean, and we do not have the right to harm another person's faith. It is our duty to have our own convictions but it is also our duty in following Jesus to allow other people to have theirs. And as an older believer, as a stronger believer, then I limit myself to not lead somebody into something that would be impure for them. A second motivation he talks about to saying no to things that I think are okay is kingdom priority. Verse 17, he says, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. 
Paul is saying here, you shouldn't see this as a question of what, what is right to do or what is wrong to do and fight about that. He says, you should see this instead as a matter of God's kingdom. And then he uses the words in that verse, righteousness and peace and joy. That's what this is all about, living for God's righteousness, enjoying God's peace, living for God's joy. Joy is that delight in life that finds life worthwhile. That's what we're fighting for here. Not whether we agree or disagree, but living out the life that Jesus has given us to live. That's a greater priority. That's why I can say no. And he says a third reason to say no is our peace. Verse 19, make every effort to do what leads to peace. If it's going to cause a dispute with a fellow believer, if it's going to cause us to get out of fellowship with each other, Paul says, it's just not worth it. Now, just in case we don't think this is important, as you read through these last verses of Romans chapter 14, just look at the doctrinal power behind this personal truth. Paul talks here about the cross and says that's why. Don't hurt another believer for whom Jesus died. Paul talks about the resurrection. Paul talks about this in light of the second coming of Christ, the judgment of Christ. The things that are at the very center of our faith come into these verses because Paul is saying, this is not an issue about food. It's not an issue about what you drink or don't drink or what days you worship on. It is an issue of showing the world what Jesus Christ is really like. So don't be a stumbling block. It's worth saying no. You are not a stumbling block when you might have a disagreement with an older believer who'd never do what they are disagreeing with you doing. That's not being a stumbling block. You are usually not a stumbling block to someone, by the way, who is complaining loudly. You're usually a stumbling block to someone who's watching in silence. And we limit our freedom there. We limit our freedom because of the needs of a weaker brother, a weaker sister in Christ, not because of the demands of a stronger brother or sister. And the guiding principle in all this is the last words in Romans chapter 14. Whatever is not from faith is sin. There's the guiding principle. If in doubt, don't. Whatever is not from faith is sin. That means I have to admit that I sin a lot more than I would like to admit. Because I do a lot of things not from faith. I do some things just from habit. I do some things from selfishness. I do some things without even thinking about why I'm doing them. There's no trust in God in doing it. Whatever is not from faith is sin. This is a verse that reminds me I am not as far along as I think I am as a believer. It's a verse that reminds us all of that truth. It's a verse that shows us how much we all need Jesus. There is a sting to that verse, but there's also the strength of a truth. Whatever is not from faith is sin. When I do something that is from faith, that does grow out of my trust and faith in Jesus Christ, Jesus smiles on that. He sees in my heart the faith that I have to follow him. Strength in faith means more than just understanding the truths of the Bible. It means living in a loving way with those who are weak. The truly strong in faith will never put down those who are struggling because they see the beginnings of faith, and they see they are doing that from faith. And when we do that, what will happen? What will happen in the eyes of a watching world? Christians will be seen to be free people, not controlled by some list of rules that limit them and narrow them, narrow the enjoyment of God's great gifts. They'll see these are people of God who, when they limit themselves, they do so because of their love for Jesus Christ. When they limit themselves, they do so so as not to hurt a brother or sister in Jesus Christ. These are people who are different. This is the gift of God that he would want to give to us. We are free to say yes to those things that are not prohibited in the Bible. 
but we're also free to say no to those things that maybe the Bible doesn't talk about, but in our freedom to say no, we say it because we love someone else. So as we pray, let's pray for that freedom to say yes and that freedom to say no, because the world is watching. Jesus, help us to discover and to develop the freedom to say yes. Not not the freedom to indulge myself, but the freedom to enjoy your gifts. Forgive me for those times when I've acted as if your gifts are not gifts. When I've been afraid to enjoy the gifts that you've given me because I thought they might lead to pride or they might lead to indulgence. God, if it's your gift and if I trust you in the use of that gift, I believe that the use of that gift will lead to faith. So God, help me to trust you. Give me the freedom to say yes. Help me not to live any longer in the fear of legalism, having to have a list of rules that helps me to think that I have faith. Instead, help me to live in the freedom of grace. Hearing the yes from Jesus Christ. In Jesus, all the promises of God are yes. And living out that yes of Jesus in my daily life. Give me the freedom to say yes. And Jesus, help me to also live out the freedom to say no. Not the limitation of being controlled by somebody else's opinion, but the freedom of giving up my rights, giving up something I know would be okay for me to do because I love someone else and for the sake of another person's faith. God, instead of feeling selfish about that, instead of feeling like something has been taken away from me when I make that choice, help me instead to sense that I've given something back to you because of all that you've given to me. I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Join us next week as we look at the next chapter in Romans. We'll be looking at Romans chapter 15. 